Hi, I'm Maggie Bain. I'm the Bare Naked Coach. I'm a sex coach and relationship specialist. Delighted to be here on Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and today I'm humbled enough to have Maggie here with me, who is a sex coach and relationship specialist. Maggie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Yes People podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm great, thank you, and thank you for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. No, you're more than welcome. Thank you for coming on the show, because without people like yourself, there wouldn't be an Us People podcast to educate people. So thank you so much. That's perfect. Great, great. So my first question for you, Maggie, I'm excited because I have so many questions to ask you. But my first one, I always love to know about people's cultures and backgrounds. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about your culture and your background and how that has influenced mm-hmm. you to be the person who you are today? Wow. Wow. I've come from a very interesting background. So I should start off by saying that so my my mother was um, born and brought up in Shanghai, China, Ooh. and uh, she met my father, who was Scottish, and he was working in um, Nigeria, and they met in Nigeria and got married, and my brother and sister were born, and then I was born, but I was the only one that was born there. So I was born in Nigeria, I was brought up in Scotland, and when I was 28, uh, as a nurse, as an intensive care nurse, I took a two-year work contract in the Bahamas, thinking just a little sun sea and I would come back. And, but as the way it goes sometimes, you know, hot off the plane. And (laughs) so I met the father of my children and got married, had a family, and I was there for 26 years. So I feel that I'm really Bahamian. My sons are Bahamian, they live there. Now I've got a grandson that lives there. So I like to think, but I am speaking to you, just to add a little spice in there. I am speaking to you from Jersey, a little island in the Channel Islands. So I like to describe myself and my friends call me a global citizen. And I think that pretty much sums it up. So I move from country to country, culture to culture with an easy flow. So I, that's the way I love it. You sound like you've had an interest in life even before we began the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even before I was conceived, that's a whole nother story. My mother's background is fascinating. Maggie, that's a whole nother podcast. It definitely is. Almost definitely. So let's get into how you became, because this is interesting. You've traveled all around the world. You've had a beautiful family and you a beautiful grandchild as well. Um, you're multicultural in what you do. And then you decided to become a sex coach and to help people, especially men, in relationships to help them become better within lovemaking and sex. How did you get into that? Mm. Well, you're saying now now men, but that has developed. Yeah. That has developed over time, as things do. And so 
when I, so as you can tell, and I've already mentioned, so I have a nursing background. And yeah. so uh, when I was nearing 50, which I think is often a pivotal time for women, you know, things start to change, your children are grown and you think, well, what am I going to do with the next stage of my life? And so this is what I did one day. And this was back in 2007. I was living in the Bahamas. And I thought, you know, I really, really want to do become a sex therapist. I'd always wanted to be one. And um, I say that because when I was in high school, I was known as Auntie Madge. I was the agony aunt. I was the go-to person for all your problems and your questions and dilemmas. And so when I did train, um, and I told some of my high school friends, and they said, well, we're not surprised. You know, they were like, so it had always been there, you know, whether it was lunches with girlfriends, you know, you're always talking about your relationships, your marriage, your boyfriends, things, until you get onto the set. And so at the end, I would always say, oh, I'd love to be a sex therapist. So there I was, close to 50, and it was, it's all about fulfilling your dreams. You know, the older you get, it's, it's very much, okay, I don't want to end this life with any regrets. I, I'm a person that, you know, if you want it, you can visualize it, you aim for it, and you can go for it. See. And you just have to plan, 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 and a strategy. And so good old Google, I Googled how I could train as a sex therapist. And there's very few uh, sex educators, even in the States. And so, but there happened to be one in Florida, in West Palm Beach. And so I wrote to her, and because of my nursing background, um, because you can't just do it online, it isn't something that you can just go directly into. You have to have a background um, uh, to be accepted into it. And so she did. And so for a year, I went backwards and forward between Bahamas and Florida. And so I'm Florida Florida board certified sex therapist. Uh. And so... I returned to the Bahamas as the first. They didn't have one. They didn't know what it was about. But I could tell by the culture that uh, we sorely needed one. Mm -hmm. And so I came back. And of course, I wanted to start my private practice. And so somebody said, the best, easiest way that you do that is see if you can write a column in the local papers. I had never written before. I was like, well, who does that? How can you do in the, but as you can tell, I am not short on confidence and I really wanted my private practice. So you find a way, you just find a way. So I thought of topics that I would, that would be of interest to people. And I picked up the phone, asked for this features editor and spoke with her. And honestly, the conversation was probably less than a minute. Wow. And he said, Oh, that sounds interesting. Send it to me by Thursday and I'll print it on Tuesday. And that was it. And then I had to produce something after that. 600 words. And it was well received. I had my contact information at the bottom. And little relationship to begin with, with a little sexuality at the end. You know, I was breaking new ground. We're talking about taboo topics. And so... Um, I wrote every week uh, for two years. And so during that time, not only was my private practice starting to grow, but I was asked to be a guest on radio shows because radio shows are always looking for guests. And so that was my way to for people really to hear me. 
to see whether they liked listening to me, whether I was interesting, whether they could connect, whether they trusted me. And so, and so this is how it developed. And then after about a year, I was on a morning show. And during the commercial break, the owner of the station came in and he just said, she has to have her own show. And I said, well, as long as you're not going to censor me, I, that's fine, you know. And, and they said, no, that's, you know, free reign. And because they could tell that I, you know, I talked with medical terminology, nursing background. I talked, I was used to talking about female issues, male issues, infertility issues, all, all these things, many, many things. I had an ease of talking about that. And so that's how I started. And I had my own interactive radio relationship show called Love on the Rock. And that's how, that's really how it started. That's a good title, actually, Love on yes. the Rock. Well, you know, islands um, are usually built on rock. Yeah. On rock. And, you know, so um, that's how it started. And so before that, I should say, and of course, being a guest, the first time a microphone was put in front of me, that was it. Little did I know the effect that a microphone can have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I know. Yes, you see. (laughs) I never would have thought of doing it myself until I had a microphone in my hand too. So I would have never thought myself, but it's a blessing. Listen, uh, one of the subjects I did want to talk about before we go into other things is mm. is about culture, sexualities in different cultures oh. um, and how it's perceived and mm. how they handle being able to talk about their sexuality within a relationship and just naturally towards you as somebody who is a coach trying to help them to evolve in their sex life. How mm. does that work in because you might have a caribbean culture and then you might have an english a scottish uh, um, indian it it doesn't matter but how does it work for you when you're dealing with different cultures and their sexuality It, it can be tricky to navigate but i usually start from the place of well just really really listening first Mm -hmm. and so once I really look at uh, body language tone of voice the language that they use I have a way of just pacing myself and really uh, it's really being sensitive to where people can open up and you're learning for each couple So although it's cultural, it's also unique for each couple as well. Their language within themselves and between each other. And so um, it comes from experience. It comes from taking time and sitting back and really listening and paying attention. And when I do couple sessions, I, I call it mind aerobics because I have to keep up with not just one person, but two and how they're interacting. And um, it's, it's mentally exhausting. I can only do so many in a day. Um, but yes, you know, our culture influences our, our, you know, our sex education, not only within our own household that we're brought up in, uh, uh, outside of that, our cultural um, is our sexual, sex education as well. 
I mean, my sons having me as the mother um, are used to these type of discussions and whatever, but they're heavily influenced by Bahamian culture too. And so you've got peer pressure and there's a lot of unspoken stuff as well as spoken. And, you know, it's learnt behavior. They see how men are interacting with women and the women are interacting, you know, so a lot comes into play with that. But when it comes to my private sessions with people, um, I like to think that I use the same sensitivity um, and the pace. They set the pace of how they want the conversation to go because you can't rush into something. I can't suddenly ask somebody a question that would be hugely offending to them. Yes. Because then they just shut down and don't want to talk to me. So it's very much my role is first is, is learning about them and um, how they interact with each other and how I can best guide and help them with solutions. You know, it's all about solutions. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting in contact with me because no, when things are going well in people's relationship and their intimacy, then they don't need my help. So people come when they're struggling, when they're in crisis, when they're in severe pain, when they're tormented and they don't know what to do. They can't solve, sort things out by themselves. And so that's where they need the bare naked coach. Hey. <laughs> what are the what are some of the early warning signs that someone's sexual relationship is in trouble so you're in a relationship and you well couples sometimes they don't see it but what do you what would you say what advice would you give other early warning signs when you know your sex relationship hmm. is in some kind of trouble hmm. so I usually say that, you know, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, is it the problem in the bedroom that has a ripple effect on the rest of the relationship? Or is it something outer in the relationship that ripples back in and disturbs the most intimate part in the bedroom? So changes, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. So when there's a change in habit, you know, where now you are specifically about the sex life. So we're talking about the, the most intimate relationships. So if things are, you know, if you've been intimate, your, your pattern is usually a few times a week or once a week and things suddenly become a month or something like that. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's like, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to rock the boat. Why? What, what's going on here? So that can be that. There can be a change in the affection. You know, oh, he doesn't hug me anymore. She doesn't hold my hand anymore. She doesn't do this and that. So a change in the things that felt good before, that now something starts to feel off. So it, it's the off balance things. Like you can't put your finger on it, you know, and then we all get, we're the, all the best mind readers, right? Oh, well, it must be this. Or, or I know he's not talking because da-da-da-da-da. Instead of saying. So, you know, we get back to the same old thing. Or communication. Are they suddenly silent on you? Or are they suddenly angry all the time? You know, there's the certain things. So basically that things are off-center. That things just don't feel right. Something. Um, 
And, and so those are often the first signs. And of course, you know, the famous texting and, you know, clutching your phones and, you know, where you might have been more open. Now you're, you know, hoarding your phone and, you know, protecting it like it's a newborn baby. I mean, there are so many things. But basically, I think it's just that, you know, things are just different now and something's not right. Um, yeah. That Just that sense. Wow. See, I'm I'm learning to mind read now, so I'm gonna get good at this. I'm gonna get oh, I'm gonna get really good at this. Mind reading is a terrible thing. I'm telling <laughs> you. Oh, no, no. So, how do you decide that someone is sexually compatible with you? Oh, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I um, the beginning of this year, uh, I think it was the beginning of this year. I had a young couple who. Um, now this is this is often you know in in Christian Caribbean or in other cultures where um, couples young couples make a decision not to be sexually active with each other. Okay. No before marriage, and so we have groups where you might have where the, the whole of their dating they've had their clothes on and they've just kissed and held hands. And then you have other groups where they believe that uh, intercourse is the sex, and yet they will have oral sex and they will do all kind of other things, bar that. And so uh, this young couple that uh, came to see me, they were just like about a month married. And of course, like so many people, they just think everything's going to be all right once they're married. And so they discovered that things were off, that things didn't happen naturally. And, you know, this unfortunately is how people who, when things don't run smoothly, they always have this, well, I just thought it was natural. I just thought, and unfortunately, you know, it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. And so it's a learned skill. Yes. And so uh, they ran into problems and real problems and uh, they worked with me and we got on track and things were going well. And then, you know, there's a lot of resentments, a lot of stuff that gets in the way because, you know, maybe it was one person's decision to hold off and not the other person's. And so the resentment of, see, I told you we should have had sex before we got married. We would have been uh, and so, so this is the thing, is like um, compatibility's got so much to do with an ease, an ease. You feel comfortable and there's an ease. It doesn't feel awkward. Um, this particular wife said at times, it, it, you know, it just felt really awkward, you know. And, um, well, it's not that they're incompatible, um, but... For some people, it might be. And so we get into, you know, a common statement that particularly men, well, I've got a high sex drive and she's not interested and all that kind of thing. And so I really look into what does that really mean for him? And sometimes it's just timing. Sometimes it's just timing. He's a morning guy. She's an evening once she's had a little power nap. And so it's uniting that type of thing. And so it's really... Get teaching people to understand this is, of course, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, that um, women's sex drives are completely different from men because 
Well, no, 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 man. What do you expect? Why would you expect it to be exactly the same? And so it's really teaching that and finding solutions and suggestions and work on exercises of and workable solutions of how to make them come together and make it work for both of them, really. So it, it's really finding what's unique for them and what would work for them. So it's not set things for each couple. There is no one size fits all, everybody. Yes. So, um, but yes, it's compatibility is really important because you don't want to be forcing somebody. You don't want to be forcing your partner and you don't want to be forced either. That's so true. there has to be a workable thing. Otherwise, it won't work. What about for people of same-sex couples? For same-sex couples, so yeah. two men or two women, how does that work? Because if you're talking about, say, for instance, a man and a woman, then they have a different sex drive. A man has a certain sex drive and a woman has a certain sex drive. What about couples who are of the same sex? Mm. How well, does it I work should, for them? I should interject there by saying that not all men have the same sex drive and not all women have the exactly. same sex drive. Exactly, yeah. So, um, and that's why I say every couple is unique. Yeah. So it's the same principle for same-sex couples too. It's, it's working like what's stopping you. And so there can be many, many things that are stopping people from coming together. And so you've got to work out, and this is where I call it peeling back the layers. Yeah. Oh, this is the hard part, right? Yeah, peeling back the layers. So, you know, it's all about, um, I also call myself the can opener. So I, I prep people at the start. You've of got the some good names, Maggie. With, because it's opening a can of worms. You know, this isn't easy work. Um, but the rewards, the rewards and the benefit outweigh the hard work. So I tell people it's it's like dieting. It's like, you know, it's a bit of a yo-yo. You know, you'll be one step forward, two back, two forward, da, da, da. Some stages of the work will be easy and you'll be like, oh, this is great. You know, we're really getting better and we're we're coming along and, you know, I'm feeling really happy. And, and then they'll hit a roadblock, you know, we'll be on the next stage. Um, because it's not random work that it's, it's, it's very structured, but I do it at the pace of for that particular couple. So, um, yeah, so whether it's same sex, whether it's... I thought you were talking when you said four. I thought you were talking going into polyamorous. Oh, we can get there later. <laughs> you just said you had a long list of questions. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, it's... Well, polyamorous, I'll just touch on. I mean, you yeah. know, they're great for consent. And every couple should be really good with everything should be consensual you know it, we all have a choice i'm very pro-choice pro-women pro-men i'm very pro-committed relationships i'm like if you don't want a committed relationship that's fine but don't be in one and then keep shopping and looking around you know yeah. if you're in you're in so yeah. so i help people with all of that can you define what love and sex means to you as an individual because there are so many people out there that that say i love because there's love lust and sex 
right? Can you define them in your own interpretation? In my own. Now, you see, this is interesting because as sex therapists, you know, we've got our own professional uh, values and viewpoints, and then we have our own professional, I mean, our own personal. So, So I'll just say, and for me, actually, I feel that mine are the same professional okay. personal so but i just said i will say that because a lot of people might listen and think and think otherwise you know so mine is i believe that true love and uh, deep and when we're not talking about infatuation and we're not just talking about chemistry i'm talking about love where you really care deeply where you really like the person you really like them first. They become your best friends. They're your go-to person when you have a problem. They're your go-to person in your thoughts when they're not there and something great happens. Yes. So, um, and in their presence, uh, they are your focus. They are in your thoughts. They are first and foremost. Um, they are the one that you adore, you know, I have to really adore the person that I love, absolutely adore. And so I want to make them happy. I want to make them laugh. I want to take care of them. It is my caring nature, you know, that, and that is different from just lust. That is different from just, oh, I think you're hot. And, you know, our chemistry, our pheromones, you've heard of pheromones, which the silent scent between us where you're like for some reason you're just really attracted to that person and you're like well but that doesn't mean that you know them you know the depth of knowing somebody and I believe first um and I'm not saying holding off for you know forever and ever but at least get to know them a bit and know that you like them enough to really get to know them And so the love and the cherish, and that is the, when you want to cherish and take care of and know that that person is the most important person for you, then to me, that is the love. When we think about how did we learn about love in the first place when we were little children? Yeah. It was the people who were kind to us, right? So that's why the term loving kindness. And we should all show loving kindness to the people that we say we love. Now, I'm actually not a person in my personal life that throws out the word love easily because I feel that if I say it, I place it in your hands. All right? So I might like you. I may say I really enjoy that. But for me to actually say I love you in a way, um, there's very few people in my lifetime And I'm talking about my intimate relationships that I could say that about. So um, I think it's really, really special. I think it's something that you have to take care of. It is totally attached to trusting the person. Because to me, how can you really love someone if you don't really trust them? Yeah, I agree. Trust is now a whole different story. Because, you know, trust touches every aspect of a relationship. And I've learned from my clients the layers of trust. You know, it's, it's that dependability. Can I count on you? And it goes from can I count on you to pick up the milk before you get home? 
Can I count on you to pick up the children from school at three o'clock? Can I count on you not to humiliate me in front of our friends and family? Can I count on you to be faithful? So there are many layers of trust. And so for me, for me, and this is my personal thing, is I have to trust you. I have to really trust you because I have to feel safe. I have to feel safe. And I don't know any woman in particular, but also most men, when they really learn how to be great lovers and they get to that depth of intimacy that I teach and show them, is that they thrive. They thrive on that level of trust and intimacy. So it's very special. I love that answer. Thank you. I, I really, really do. You went down to the depth of what every single thing means and is meant to mean from a personal place. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. No, no, no. And I, I walk and talk from experience. You know, I, I learned the high, but I've been destroyed too. So I, my depth of understanding and compassion for the pain in relationships, but also the greatness and the joy and the beauty in relationships comes from a place of experience. So, yeah. Definitely. It's deep. It's, it is deep. It's deep. Let's talk about G-spots. Okay. Mm. Right. Here's one that I know people would love to know. You had a lot of fun drawing up all these questions, didn't you? I, I had so much fun. I'm like the nookie. I am like the nookie girl. I could be your assistant. Yeah. If I weren't doing this, I would be your assistant. <laughs> funny. Okay. So some people have asked, even some women have asked, and I'm sure they've said to you, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. I love this spontaneous conversation. Yes, of course. Some women say to me, do G-spots really exist, right? Maybe because mm -hmm. they haven't experienced it. Mm -hmm. And then can you explain what a G-spot is and mm -hmm. how your body works when it comes to finding that level of pleasure for a man and for a woman? Because obviously our G-spots are in different places. Oh, really? Well, well I don't know. You're going to tell me. You might say I'm wrong. The front <laughs> anterior part, anterior meaning facing the front, as if you were standing to your front. Yeah. Um, it's to the front of your vagina. Right. So usually for a lot of people, it's and sometimes it's hard to feel manually, digitally, like. I know this is an audio recording, but... You know, <laughs> but she's moving not, her fingers yeah. around, guys. Tell I'm a nurse, you know, the, the gynecologist <laughs> when he goes in to examine you ladies. So um, some people describe that as a little, not a nodule, but there is a thickening, a sensitivity in the area of that area. So, but like you say, who's to say that... You know, different people have different areas that are more sensitive. You know, it's what we call our erogenous zones. And we're not just talking about the clitoris. I mean, women, look at us. We have been blessed with this little piece of anatomy that is just for our pleasure. Just for our pleasure. Men don't have that. That's why, you know, a lot of men, I've heard them say, oh, say it's, it's really just all for women. You know, it's like it's just so... Um, 
it's very interesting. Different men's um, ideas are on all of you know what pleasure and what sex is really. Whilst as women, we always think it's just men. You know, it's for yeah. their benefit, right? Um, but once you get, you know, they say the key time for women um, is in the mid thirties. So as you get uh, more experienced, my or, time, or you know, uh, then you get to know your body and what it's like and what's the spot for you. So, hey, whether you call it your S spot because you're savvy, I mean, what does it really, what does it really matter? You know, we can just call it my sub sub spot. Understanding your body and understanding what works for you, mm. you know. I like that. I'm going to call it my sav-sav spot from exactly. now on. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> That's a great term. I love that. My, my sav-sav spot. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about sex toys. Uh-huh. Right. So you can get overwhelmed when you go into a store with your partner and you're trying to find the right sex toy for you and your partner. How do you know? What is the right sex toy? From your experience, I know you're like, I have no clue. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it's, you know, first it's like, what makes you want to go in and find? Is it just you're looking for a toy and you're wanting just to try things, experiment? Yeah. And, you know, well, we've tried this, we've tried this one, so why don't we try this? Or it's like you actually have an issue with one particular thing. Or is it that you're single and you want help with masturbation, self-masturbation? You know, there's many reasons. And so those direct you to which area and what you want. Um, but, you know, the, the great reliever, if we think about... Um, where we think that men are just really uh, striving and driving for their own pleasure, a lot, I mean, it's really is the bringing your woman to orgasm. I mean, you know, hey, it's the big O is, is the goal, right? And for, for men, it's like, how big is our orgasm, right? Hate to hear, they hate to hear that, oh, I've had a bigger orgasm with my previous lover than with you. It's like, you know, it's the trophy. The, the orgasm is the trophy. And um, so that's why so many toys are to do with orgasms, right? Um, because the big O is the, and even if we're single, we want to know that we can still achieve orgasms, you know? Um, so, so, so that's the thing. You've got to think, well, before you go into the store, you've got to know what you're looking for. Now, like I say, if you don't know, ask for the most popular thing, whether it's the little bullet, whether it's the rabbit, whatever it is that you're, what are you wanting? Are you wanting to accentuate and enhance your orgasms as you're having an orgasm with your partner? You know, there are many, there are many, many reasons. So, hey, yeah. buy whatever okay. makes you happy, guys. <laughs> buy whatever makes you happy. Can all women, well, okay, here's one for you. Okay. So, a lot of women say to me that they, they don't necessarily have an orgasm with the person that they're with. And this is where your niche comes into it, Maggie, mm -hmm. about you teaching men about how mm -hmm. to teach women. I know that you can't specifically say 
any names in stories that you tell me mm. but do you have a story of how you helped a couple mm-hmm. where the woman for instance or even the man sometimes mm-hmm. was not getting to that orgasm place mm-hmm. oh i have many many stories and that's why i was saying is that there is no stereotypical i've seen couples where she's got a higher drive than he has mm-hmm. that she he doesn't like giving her oral sex whilst you think it's it's always the, you know there there is no there's no like I say not every couple is the same exactly yeah and so but it's so it's skills a lot of time it's technique it is skills but nothing 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 changes without both people cooperating that's true and if one person doesn't want to do something, then it's not going to happen. And so this can be a huge, huge stumbling block. And depending on how strongly the partner feels, um, this is why they come, because it has affected the relationship so much. So, yeah, so it's learning. I have with one couple, Um, to the point where she was so frustrated and angry with um, him having extramarital relationships. And she was always faithful, always faithful. And then she had one herself. And then she discovered that oral sex with the new guy was so much better than with her husband. So what a crushing blow that is, right? So they have him like you know it's very hard when particularly for men you know to take these things to that's a huge ego thing that's a huge 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 thing and so in fact it got to the point where and after discussion and sessions with me we got to the point where I suggested there are like clinical CDs, teaching CDs. Uh, I say clinical, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, step one, step two, but it's done in a way that is tasteful and um, really teaching techniques. So he purchased one of these CDs and he went away in there and so he started to improve. Five that made him realize how important it was that now he had to take it, that she was having an affair. And so he had the pain of that, but he had an incentive to become a better lover for her. Okay. So it's not like selfish love. It's more, I want to please you as well as well, please me. The so making. Like I said, it's my work is really about bringing the lover out, guys, teaching them that sex isn't just intercourse. And for sex therapists, actually, sexual activity and sex is hugging, holding hands, kissing. It is skin on skin. It is body rubbing. It's all that. That for us is sexual activity. That is because, you know, you've got to open your portfolio to other things. It isn't just intercourse. See? (laughs) I like this. Here's another one for you, Maggie. So, you're, you're making me work for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so why do people have sexual fantasies? But here's the question.、Hmm. Although people have sexual fantasies, what can happen if they are not fulfilled? Do you think having sex with Brad Pitt is really going to be fulfilled? You know, it's like keep certain fantasies as fantasies. You know, we have to realize our reality is our reality. But you use your fantasy to your advantage. So, you know, whether it's your dream and you see yourself in this huge bubble bath with Brad Pitt or whatever, and then whatever, then recreate that same bubble bath with your lover. You know, there's、um, there's sort of safe fantasies, and then there's ones that are really unsafe. I mean, you know, to express, you know, really. You want to express to your lover that you know you're dreaming about your next door neighbor. You know, there's some things that are you know dangerous areas to go in. So、um, you've got to know. But the ones that are playful, the ones that are、uh, fun and playful, and、um, I say work them. You know, use it to your advantage. Recreate. Yeah, role play is, is fun, you、yeah. know. Role play makes things interesting because a lot of times, you know, sex just gets、uh, for some couples because they're not creative, they're not into role play, and so it gets a bit dull and predictable, and so that's where it gets. So to keep it interesting and lively. Um, role play, and there's so many. You have you have to watch my YouTube videos. You know, I've got a whole channel there on tips and tricks and all kind of things. Go watch、so. it, guys. Yeah, go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> bare naked coach YouTube channel. <laughs> I love the way you promote it. It's so cool. Of course. <laughs> uh, let's let's go on another one now. So. Say you're a new fresh couple, and you wanna go into different sex positions. How do you know the right sex positions for you and your partner? Well, you just to try. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but some people are a bit scared. Some people are a bit scared, Maggie. Of what? Of it not of working? Of not liking? Yeah, some people are scared. How do you? Okay, from your point of view, especially from for men as well.、Mm-hmm. How do you? How do men, for instance? I'm just going to bring out a niche in men.、Mm-hmm. And how do men attract the woman to be able to do a sex position that could help arouse them? Well, to get know, to that orgasm. Lot, well, first of all. You know, this is where talking is so important.、And, yeah. You know, sexy talk out of the bedroom. You learn about this is a brand new couple, so they're starting off and being intimate for the first time. So there's nothing like a little flirting and sexy talk about you know, or、oh, I can imagine you like this or whatever. And so you can tell by their response whether they like the idea of that. Yeah. So so that's one way, but actually. I would say, you know, hands can say anything too, right? So we、That's、guide,、true. we guide our partner, we guide them. So if、yeah. they're not doing or going or you know teaching, then you take their hand and you lead the way. 
you know, because if you start talking, talking can kill the mood as well. And so that's, true. that's, that's can throw off and make people nervous and, and all that kind of thing. So I would say, show them, show them with your hands, take their hand and guide them where you want them to go. And you turn your body where you want it to be. And so, but each partner that you're with, you're going to feel differently where you like this and this, and it might stay on your portfolio of your top favorite positions, but actually this particular partner is even better at this one. But the thing is not to overthink it. This is the thing is to go with the energy and the heat between the two of you and see where things go. See, it's good advice there, guys. Do you think that pain is pleasure or pleasure is pain? Oh, gosh. Now, this is, that's a deep one. That's a deep one, Savia, because there's many discussions on that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are very timid, have very um, restrictive, they only do missionary because maybe they've got uh, health problems or they've had surgeries if they've got all the kind of things. And so each person, each of us have has a different pain threshold, you know. And um, really, if you are relaxed enough, and if your connection with your partner is good and you have good feelings, then the idea of your brain saying this is bad pain rather than pleasurable pain, um, that's the difference. It's what's, remember, your brain is your largest sex organ. So it's, it's what's it telling you? And so this is where I, you know, I'm a great believer in, really taking your relationships down to deeper levels rather than just superficial. You know, you've got to really know. And as time goes on, really get to know your partner. And so they get to know you. And so you see facial expressions and, you know, whether you push away a little bit to let them know too deep, too fast, whatever. You know, you get to know each other. And um, how's that? That was good enough for me. <laughs> it's good enough for me. <laughs> what number of question are you on now? This is. Like- I'm not. I'm not telling you. I'm not. I'm not telling you. <laughs> what one thing do you wish you would have known before you started your career as a sex therapist or sex coach? That if I'd known. Yeah. Oh, that's quite interesting. I was asked this. I, I did a TV show, gosh, was it last year? Uh, in Cyprus. Uh-huh. And um, she asked something similar, but more from a business side angle rather than. And I think one of the things that I I realized, but I probably didn't realize to the extent was that when people, when I talk to them, when they get to know me, uh, no, when they meet me, they think that they know me. And so their expectation is of being very close to me. And so it's a fine line because I'm teaching intimacy. I'm teaching that I have ability to connect with people even through the screen here. But... um, 
it's not served me well at times. And I've got wiser at, um, because then there's a lot of fans, you know, <laughs> a lot of stalkers. So there's a lot of people that, um, yeah, so it's dealing with the messages, it's dealing with people wanting to get really close to me because it's the the image and the the bare naked coach brand. Um, so it's protecting myself, protecting myself because my nature is to be very open. And of course, I teach honesty. I'm very, uh, you know, honest. I believe in being truthfully naked. And so, um, but protecting myself has been something that I've had to learn and I will continue to learn. So it's not like I've learned it all. So it's, I'm still evolving just like everybody. So we live and learn. That's the beautiful thing about life, Maggie, is that every day, you've taught me so much just being here today. Thank so, you. Thank you. Oh, most definitely. Thank you. What is, what is the best advice you have ever received from somebody? And what have you done with that advice throughout your life? You mean professionally or personally or the whole thing? Well, I right. should say I am... I am the same with my work as as that. Yeah, so, I can see. Yeah. I can kind of see that. Yeah. 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 What's the best advice you've ever received uh, from somebody? Gosh, I have to really think now. Well, I'd say I always say my greatest mentor was a gentleman who's passed now, and I looked after him. This was when I was nursing before I trained, and. Um, it was Sir John Templeton, and he's written many books, and yes, and he started mutual funds. You might have heard of the Templeton Foundation. And um, so he's the one that he taught me the importance of time management. He wasn't teaching me, but through his behavior and his passing on of his knowledge, um, I came to really understand about uh, focus, how to focus, and time management. And I'd say those two things. Um, and my own personal one is learning how to use my energy properly, which means I have to put my energy in important places at specific times that he taught me with the time management. And so I'm very careful with that. But ultimately, I'd say what I've taught is, and I know from myself, my work is my purpose. Um, it's, it's who I am. I am a messenger and, uh, my past, the message, wherever I go for loving kindness. And so there might be some people who would, um, argue with that, who, who, um, you know, I've had to let go because I've had to learn how to let go of relationships that, um, uh, people who want to, as the expression goes, dim my light. Um, that distract me, that through their toxic behavior towards me, because, you know, we all bring out things in other people. And, uh, and so it's having to be focused in where I'm going, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing it. And so why I'm always doing this work is to serve other people. And so where I can help people, and I have been known whether you're sitting beside me on a plane 
I've basically done what is the equivalent to a session. I have been known in Edinburgh in Scotland in a park bench helping a young man from India with his problems. So, um, you know, wherever I am, this is the gift I've been given and um, I can't help myself. I'll just, you know, so you know, service and helping people. That is really the thing so, that have been passed on to me. I was going to ask you the next one, but I feel like you've answered it already. The question was, what are you most proud of that you stand for? But I feel like you've already given me the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, See? I think in the wor- there's two words that uh, people always say I'm authentic. True. Well, I think my authenticity I'm really proud of. I am proud of, but sometimes it's, it's backfired on me, my honesty. But I'm not a brutally honest person. You know, there's some people that just like to say hurtful things and they say, well, I'm really honest, but they're just slashing people, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'd say my authenticity, but the, it's my work. My work is the thing I'm most proud of. Yeah. When was the last time you felt totally at peace with yourself? I have to I'm think sorry. about that. <laughs> I have to think about that. If I told you that, um, well, I, I don't own a TV, right? I don't own a TV. I'm That's a, a great good music thing. person. I'm a great music person. So actually every day that I put on, and, you know, I'm, if we can say Spotify, you know, without commercials, yeah. then I change genre depending on my mood and the music will change my mood too. But I have quiet times. I So I'd say almost every day I have a quiet time where I sit down, I have the music quietly, I sit still, lie still, put my feet up, I'm very still. And in those times, I am at peace. I am at peace because I know my children are safe and happy and in their relationships. So as a mother, as long as your children are happy and at peace and healthy, then all is well. See, I like that. Yeah, you got me thinking now. I have quiet hour. I call it quiet hour. Mm-hmm. One it hour. It doesn't day. need to even be an hour, you know. Yeah, that's no, true. A good 15 minutes. And again, it's that focusing you know whether you want to call it channeling what you want to for me it's pulling in those thoughts because we're our days are so busy and if we've got anxiety and worry we have scattered thoughts so by reining it all in and pulling it all in and really slowing down closing your eyes you can find peace i think we found it just now there you go i've taught you No, you have. (laughs) See? Here's my next one for you. You've made me go into that quiet place now. I've gone to that quiet place. Good. What is the earliest experience that you learned that language has power? Mm. Wow, these are some deep questions, Savia. Language has power. Hmm. Well, what's coming to mind is possibly bullying siblings 
Oh. So as an early young child, the the names that you're called, the labeling, or you're this, you're not this, has deep, deep effect. And as we know, that's how people, you know, calling calling somebody fat when they're little has a profound, as we know, has lasting effects. So it's just an early childhood, yes, the the words that are thrown out, but the labeling, you know, the labeling is very, has long lasting effects on people, doesn't it? It drops our confidence and, oh, um, how come we've gone all our childhood thinking we're not smart enough? How do we, how did we get to the point where we thought, oh, we're not pretty enough? How did we get to all of this? Because somebody said it to us. Somebody said it to us. See? That's very true, actually. I think we all know somebody... Well, I think everyone's been through it in some kind of way. Yeah. But we have to become strong within ourselves and be like, no, we are beautiful. No, we are this. No, we are confident. Mm-hmm. And it's a learning curve that we must yeah. go through. But in order... Um, yeah. Go ahead. We become stronger. We become stronger. Yes, yes. But I must pass on this, is that people usually forget that boys and men have the same. So when they enter their relationships, when they're men, or they have difficulty getting into relationships, a lot of these things are lack of confidence, lack of self-esteem, believing they're not handsome enough. They don't earn enough. They're not... You know, they're not buff enough. They're not, you know, they're they're too short. They're too this and that and this and that. And so women forget that. And so it's, it's building their confidence as well is so important. Most definitely. What would you like your legacy to be oh. when you leave this world? Wow. I would just like to think that I've passed on and taught and helped as many people as I can have really great loving relationships and that they have learned the skills and that they know and can experience extraordinary love. And so it's that passing on. And I tell people, you know, the passing on to your children on how to do this. It's so important. How are they going to learn the good stuff if they're not seeing it and learning it from you? You know, they love their parents. They love their mommy and their daddy. They've got to learn all these things from them rather than just the internet. Well, they're their first role models. Your mother and your father are your first role models. Yeah. Definitely. My final question for you, Maggie, is where can people find you on all your social medias if they want to find you exactly the way I did? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So everything is Bare Naked Coach, B-A-R-E, Naked Coach. So you found me on LinkedIn. That's the one. On LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and of course, my YouTube channel. So I would say first and foremost, for a fun element, go visit YouTube for yep. the Bare Naked Coach channel. I've got lots of like two-minute, short, 
really fun videos and there's a lot to learn there. So, and of course, although my website is being updated and changed as we speak, uh, you can always find me on my website, barenakedcoach.com. See, guys, and from me, Maggie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Ask People podcast. You've been such a great guest and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. I've loved it. I have never been asked such a long list of such interesting questions. I'm very impressed with your questions and your depth of uh, your hosting is is wonderful. So, yeah, thank you so much, Maggie. Talking with you too. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me, actually. You made me go shy for a second there. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savvy Rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast thank you for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another powerful questions there deep powerful questions that was great no it was great so how many did you get through there that was at least 20 i'm exhausted after all that i'm gonna go <laughs> you did you did you did oh no it, it's fine no i love it i love it it's great <laughs>